welcome back to uh, Bored to Death. Um, we here. A, a podcast about board games and components and sitting at a table and sometimes saying fuck you to your friends. Yeah, checks out. Or like, hey, good job on winning. I mean, sometimes we all win when it's cooperative. Mm-hmm. But not always. Or if you gang together and just one person loses and it's just... It's a win for everybody, except for that one guy. That one. Or girl. Or, or person. person. There you go. You got there. I got there. I know yep. what I said. Yep, yep, yep. Anywho, uh, I'm John. I'm Kayla. And we're a married couple who likes to play board games and shit and do stuff. And um, we haven't had an episode in a long time because we kind of got burnt out by this thing called life. Yeah, I just looked. That's what I was looking up on my phone. July 27 is the last time yeah. we released one. Yeah. We also took a little bit of a break from buying games because we were actually, for a while, we were able to see people and then we couldn't see people again. So then we just revisited everything we hadn't played in so long and now we're kind of back to seeing people and that's kind of what led us here. Yeah. And uh, we'll have another episode about some of the games that we bought over the past few months and uh, that that bolstered our collection. But um, today we're actually here to talk about uh, two player games. Games that are specifically just for two players, not games that play well with just two people, but uh, you and uh, somebody else and just the two of you battling it out or cooperatively trying to kick the game's ass. One of those options. Yeah. Yeah. Felt the need to clarify that we are specifically talking about games made for two people because if you search the internet, games for two players, you're going to get a laundry list of things that the internet thinks play well. And they, and they probably do, right? Like, there's I mean, a lot of games that scale well for two people because we've literally built our collection based on having nobody else but the two of us to play. And that's pre-pandemic. So it's it's almost like we saw this shit coming. And, uh, God, don't say that. For anything else, uh, future worries and woes, you know, hit us up at uh, boredtodeathpodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. We'll be wrong in any future prediction that you want to uh, have us make, but we'll take your money. That's always true. Um but I will say that quick list that we had just pulled up of games good for two players or when we were searching, it had one of them said like King of Tokyo. That game's not good with two players. The game's not good. They were thinking of King of New York. That one played not well. At least oh, yeah, when we you're had right, it. You're right, you're right. But we don't even own it anymore. We gave it away. Mm-hmm. So, but I still don't think King of Tokyo plays well with two players either. So, no. But it was on the list. So that's why you should listen to us and not random lists on the internet yeah fuck the internet it's got us into so many problems but also thanks for the internet because that's how we do this podcast and how we met so yeah so there's that there's that um yeah i guess uh we want to apologize and say this list for you know you and one other person playing games probably would have come in handy about a year ago um or two actually two. two years ago if we would have had this episode exactly two years ago it would have been perfect. We it would have been prime content for the internet. Were we podcasting? No, we weren't even podcasting two years <laughs> no, ago. No, we weren't podcasting no. two years ago. Time's no. a flat circle. I don't know what the fuck's going on. Yeah. I'm like seeing the bottom half of people's faces for like the first time in two years. And it makes me painfully uncomfortable. Yeah, I went to Trader Joe's earlier. And, um, you know, they don't have to wear masks in, outside Baltimore City. And I was like, oh, maybe I won't. But as I was walking up, literally everyone in there was. I was like, well, I'm I'm not going to be the only one not wearing a mask. So, fuck yeah. that. I put that back on. Right. Have some, like, fucking unvaccinated two-year-old just cough in your mouth hole. Yeah. Especially at Trader Joe's. This is a nut house. That's why I don't shop on Sundays. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. It's not related to anything. Uh, before we get into uh, the games that we have in our collection that are two-player specific, um, figure... Uh, we talk about like what makes, a, in our opinion, what makes a um, a really good two player game. Yeah, first one, I think it's super important, especially if you're playing with a partner um, or someone that you are romantically involved with, is something about competitiveness and balanced gameplay. Because I like to be competitive, but I don't want to be like cutthroat, and every move I do inevitably attacks you in some way like obviously we play a lot of competitive games so we're trying to win but i'm not trying to like cut you down every turn yeah 
That, and, and I mean, there's a time and a place for that, but it's like uh, uh, balanced gameplay is good because you you don't want to have a, a game that's a part of your collection that, again, there's there's plenty of games that we have that you or I are just better at and constantly beat the other person, but mm-hmm. you, you don't want to be crippling. There's only so much makeup sex you could have at the end of a bad board game session. It's true. And you only have so much time, mm-hmm. if we're being honest. This is true. Yeah, so the the next one, though, is replayability. Yeah. And because there are a handful of two-player games that rival in cost of what a regular game is, you don't want to feel like you're being ripped off by like spending a little more money and you can't bring as many players to the table with it. So you do want to be able to have it I guess not necessarily fast. It doesn't have to be a fast game. Mm-mm. But you just want it to be complex enough to where you want to bring it back to the table. Yeah, I'd say you'd want a little bit of variation in the way that it might play each time. Whether it's different cards that might come out because you take six out each round. Or different modes. Yeah, something like that. Just because if you're playing it a bunch of times, you don't want it to get stale and, you know, there's only two of you, so. Yeah. I'm trying to think, like, what else replayability would cover in terms of, like... And my, my brain went to, like... <laughs> I, I guess it's not just, like, modifying the game itself, but, like... Being able to play a different, like, strategy. That I think that's what I'm trying to get at. Okay. It's like, if if you, it's the same game over and over, but be able to, like, get to your winning objective differently might mm-hmm. make you want to bring it back to try new ways of winning. Yeah, okay. And I was like, there's somewhere my brain's going. You mean the actual philosophy that you might take into playing or winning a game? Correct. That's well, how I would define strategy, so. Just... Why use more words when few words do trick? Uh, yeah, so our next one is a sensible setup and packaging. Uh, it is a two-player game, right? So some of the two-player games that we have do come in bigger boxes, and you open up the box, and it's filled with absolutely fucking nothing. It's like just cards. I. It's like a big-ass box, and there are just cards in it. I despise this. Um, and especially for even, like, it, it particularly irks me for bigger games that play with more people but with less components and a game like splendor Mm -hmm. comes into comes to mind where it's like you did not have to package this as much as 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 bulky as you did but then it's weird because people associate the size of a box with the cost of it so cost more like value yes they associate the size of the box with value so in a two-player game you don't want to spend uh, and in, uh, we especially don't want to spend an insane amount of time setting things up and laying out how things are supposed to go on the table just because it is just the two of you, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes you're lazy, and that's fine. Yeah. And so, I will say, lengthy setup for a game is something that will prevent us from our last point of replayability. Like, ugh, this game just takes too long to set up. I am not interested in that. I'm ready to play. I am not interested in something that's going to take 30 minutes just to set up. Mm-hmm. And especially since like a lot of the two-player games that we have don't come with a board, right? So they'll have a setup suggestion and how to lay things out on the table, but that inevitably leads to a little bit of like chaos if you don't know if you don't bring it to the table often enough to have a rhythm of how you're putting things down and remembering like what does what if you just don't remember how to play. Yep. But the other one that is particularly important for us is uh, travel ability, which the internet says is a real word. So you're welcome. Um, and so, you know, it's it's shown up on all of our like Facebook memories over the last few days that we were in Hawaii exactly two years ago today. So you know, thank God we got that trip in because who knows how off the walls we would have been over the last two years. But we literally packed board games with us to go to Hawaii, one of them being Hive, that we'll talk about. And so, like, being able to throw something in your bag or your purse or your luggage is super important for us. Yeah. 
uh, and especially like we play a lot of games at breweries, and just because we don't want to, you know, talk to each other all that much yeah. in public. I'm over your shit. Yeah. So why not mix it up by uh, drinking, and then the more you drink, or the more your opponent drinks, the better you might play. That's why I win. Hmm. That's why I win. Uh, also, like theme matters less to us. And we were talking about this earlier. It's like everything has to be themed. We understand it's it's the marketing and how yeah. how people sell things. I mean, generally, you and I like themes. That's why I feel like this is interesting because when when we look at our list of two player games, I don't really care about the theme in most of them. Yeah, but thinking about the theme of most of the games that we have that are the two player variants, um. How would you retheme some of them? Because like, like some of them are so ingrained in how we play. It's like, yeah, it just doesn't matter. That's my point. Yeah, the theme doesn't give or take away from the game. True, it just doesn't matter. It's more like having us having solid gameplay versus yes something that's space skinned or horror or nature. It really doesn't affect it if it has like solid gameplay. Yeah, I would say that we generally care about theme a lot. We've done entire episodes on space-themed games or nature-themed games. So, mm-hmm. generally speaking, theme matters to us. But when we're thinking about two-player games, I don't really give a shit. No. And some of them are, like, weird-themed, too, where it's like, mm, did this have to be this way? What are you talking about? It's specifically Jaipur. It's like, did this have to be? No. Themed, uh, like, it's like, it's like Middle Eastern themed. It's more like, I'd call it more like a market theme. Yeah. Than anything else. Like a Middle Eastern market theme. Yeah. But the Middle Eastern part doesn't matter even a little bit. No. But there's camels in it and camels aren't really anywhere else. It could have been any animal. It wouldn't have mattered. They don't even like, like fundamentally I understand what they were trying to do by making them camels. But they never actually explain it. Because if they would have explained it, they would have been teetering on some racist shit. So I guess it's good that they didn't. But to that point, it could have been literally any animal. Yeah. So maybe it is racist that they put camels. Who's to say? Not I. Not <laughs> you. Point is that that the, the, the calling it a Middle Eastern market game really doesn't matter at all. Because it could have... It's just trading cards. It's just moving them around. Okay, well, now I want to know how intuitive the internet is. And if I if I search Middle Eastern Market Game, if it comes up. Market well, you, name? You, you, no, game. You can't type, first of all, so. Mm-hmm. No. Well, it doesn't automatically pop up, no, but... Go back to the top. Nope. Nah, the internet doesn't know what you're looking I for. I search Middle Eastern market game. No, nah, it's literally no. like the Middle Eastern stock market. I, I think your search terms are off, but that's fine. That's fine. Well, It really doesn't matter. Yeah, fuck the internet. Theme doesn't matter. If it plays well, uh, but it might be skinned funny, or it might be like something that might be a little unappealing to you but most of the time it doesn't matter yeah right because we we have we have just looking at our list that we're going to talk about in a moment we have stuff that is uh like eastern market themed we have uh nature themed we have space theme we have a fantasy themed stuff one's dinosaur themed so it really doesn't matter if it plays well that's a yeah. Good summary of what I had said. I try. You know. Um, the next one that we have is cost. So, it, it's a fine line, right? I'm willing to pay... We've talked about this before. Willing to pay more for quality components and pieces and just a quality game overall. But I will say sometimes it's hard to justify a two-player game that is pricier. Mm-hmm. And so we were we were thinking about which of our two player games is the was probably the most expensive, um, and it does play really well and the components are solid so like I'm fine with that purchase. But if I see a game on a shelf at the store and I know nothing about it and it's gonna cost me fifty bucks and it's only two players, I'm gonna 
be a little more skeptical. Yeah, I'm like, eh, I got to go home and do some more research before I commit to that. Yeah, because the only one of the games that we have on our list that actually has a board, like a, a physical board in the box, is um, like a big board, is uh, Duosaur Island. That came out with like, like the board has like divots in it to be able to put dice and all this other stuff. And it's it's more well produced than all the other stuff. So I guess that's what the cost was associated with it, but it wasn't. It still wasn't uh, as expensive as the most, as the least expensive big box game we have. I mean, it was up there. Mm-hmm. Forty it's bucks. Comparable. I think. Yeah. yeah, it's comparable. I mean, it was forty bucks when we just saw it on Amazon. We know we paid more than that. Maybe I can't remember. We paid more than that. Fair enough. If it's forty dollars on Amazon, you know we paid more than that at a st- at a shop. Wow. Okay. Like we support small business or something. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Fuckers. They should <laughs> yeah, compete. thanks for they, being yeah. here for us, thanks God. For, thanks for not competing with Amazon. Scrubs. <laughs> it's like a, my brain is like, we need like an under voice right now. It's like, this is a joke. Just so everybody knows, we're going to continue buying board games at board game shops. Blah, blah, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. yeah, we're completely serious here. Mm-hmm. Also, the best part about a two-player game, you don't need a fucking friends. You need like one other person that could kind of stand your existence for 20 to 45 minutes. Yep. That's basically it. Yeah, and even you're kind of pushing that 20 to 45 minutes. But we have um, way too many shared assets and a too big of a collection to split up at this point. Yeah. We, have, we don't have an, even a number of cats to, to divvy up. Uh, our house is filled with shit that is probably more mine than yours because I don't. Yeah. Too much crap. Yeah. I mean, just in this room alone. Well, this room. Well, you let me have one room. I let you have. Mm-hmm. Fuck off. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. <laughs> you know what marriage is like? It's your partner letting you have space and then resenting that forever. I mean, I resent you, but not because of space. This is my man cave. <laughs> I love the idea of this being your man cave. It's so sad. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> this is my man cave. You haven't even hung the pictures back up on the wall, so. It's because you kicked me out of the other office space. Yep. Rude. Because some of us make money in the other office space. I wasn't Do you, ar- ma- do you I- make money in here? No. Unless these people start paying us to make this podcast. Yeah. Or start no. selling feet pics on OnlyFans. I hope. I want you to sell feet pics on OnlyFans, but the background has to be your toys back there. All my, all my figurines and collectibles? Uh-huh. Maybe it's like, what that's what gets somebody off, is like a silhouette of my big man hairy foot and then like my Michael Myers 18-inch action figure. Yeah, so when you start making money, you can have the office back upstairs. Hey. Fetishes are specific and weird. I mean, good for them. If you figured it out, that's good for you. Well, what we think is missing in two-player games uh, <laughs> is not usually able to convert to more players, right? Um, a lot of them are built, like we said, sp- we're talking about ones that do not have this ability to add more people to the fray. And we do think that there are there are games uh, on our list we'll talk about that do have the ability to add more people. And that's kind of a bummer because it is a really fun experience. And when you're, when we try and share our collection with other people, you know, this is a, a pretty hefty list of games that we usually can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the other, the next thing that is missing is sometimes like the depth of play or the strategy. Um, it seems like a, most two-player games are, this is your action or this is your action. That's it. Those are your only options. And so it can get stale after a while if you keep that. And that kind of goes back to the replayability thing mm-hmm. for what makes a good game is that sometimes it just, you know, they're shorter, smaller experiences. And therefore you just sometimes that just means you don't think as much or don't have to think as much. Yeah. And it's like if you have a new game and you play it a whole bunch, it can feel like, okay, well, we have we as two people playing this, and you're, if you're only playing with the same person over and over like we do, you can figure out a strategy real quick, right? So it's like, you're always going to find this route to win, you're always going to find this route to win, and that's generally how it's going to be. So unless you're able to kind of bring new people into your mix of an opponent to play against, it can be a little stale. Yeah. For sure. I actually think we already kind of talked about this next one on the list. It's cost versus what's in the box. Mm-hmm. Just looking for the value appropriate. I don't know. I'm 
again, willing to pay for good games. And not even just good games with good components, but games that play well. So, mm-hmm. um, then, you know, I don't know. I think this last one here is because we have too many games that it's top of mind. But it's about box size compared to full games. I think you added that. So Yeah, because you think... And it was what we, we mentioned, the perceived value of what people think should encompass what they're spending on, right? So we have a few games that... The box... Like, especially larger games, but like... Some of the stuff that we have now, it's like, it's just a little too big. It, it takes up too much space for a two-player game, and maybe... Uh, like what? what so, which two-player like, game takes up too much space? Tarji. Tarji is nothing but cards. It doesn't have to be... And that's probably, uh, aside from Duelist Island, that's our biggest box game for a two-player game. It's and still I, not a big box, though. No. But it's like... If shelf space is a problem for you, that might be a deciding factor for how you how you pick the game up. Yeah, there are some games we have that uh, I'm ready to succumb to the internet peer pressure of using the bait, the bait and tackle boxes to just get rid of the boxes mm-hmm. and put them in, in there because we don't have a whole lot of shelf space anymore. And so, therefore, some of these smaller boxes, if I could put them into even smaller boxes and then fit them somewhere appropriately... That would be fine. You know, we've got some games that are kind of showy. Yeah. And we want to make sure people see them because they look cool as fuck. Especially board game people. Uh, but the some of these small boxes that hide away in the drawer, we could do the tackle box thing. Oh, for sure. That's some peer pressure. I saw people doing it on the Board Game Geek Facebook group. Oh, yeah. I'm ready to copy them. It was cool. It was cool as shit. Those tackle <laughs> boxes are so cheap. So why not? Yeah, and you could put like 10 or 15 games into one box. No, no. You get a small tackle box that fits one game, and then you can organize your small tackle boxes. So you're like, oh, I want to play Tarji, so you pull out one tackle box. Oh, so you're talking about like one container out of the bigger tackle box Mm -hmm. of all the shit. That's cool. Yeah. I know. I am the queen of organizing things. It's fine. Yeah, I can't do it. (laughs) Nope. You can't. Not even a little bit. There you go. So with all that, um, I figured we'd talk about... Uh, we listed all the two-player games that we have in our collection. Um, and I just remembered one that we forgot. What did we forget? Gloom. Gloom is not a two-player game. Oh, shit. It's not? Mm-mm. Really? No. It's not a two-player game. Well, fuck Gloom, then. It's a great game. Fuck you. Well, no. I, fuck it for this list. Yeah, that. But fuck you, because you forgot. All right. So, um... Do we just go through the whole list and then talk about our favorite sure. ones? So the ones we have, um, you might not be familiar with. Uh, we'll just go through uh, Tarji, which is Tarji and Jaipur. Um, There's the, the Eastern Market game themes. Uh, where <laughs> You're so funny. You just said, should we go through the list and then we'll talk about our favorite ones. And you stopped after okay. one. Okay, fine. Fuck it. Uh, we have Tarji, Jaipur, uh, Hive Pocket. Seven Wonders Duel, Codenames Duet, uh, Duelisaur Island, Fox in the Forest, and then Fox in the Forest Duet, Star Realms, and then uh, Epic, the card game. Yeah, so I think we should start with the ones that we won't go into too much depth depth of. And the first one, is the last one that was on your list is Epic Card Game. I hate this game. We never play it. <laughs> it's truly not worth talking about. Uh, I disagree. But I'll just have to find somebody else to play with. Uh, if you're a fan of Magic the Gathering, it's essentially um, everything that you'd need to play Magic the Gathering against somebody, but randomized. Um, the method of playing doesn't require like any kind of um, like mana resourcing or stuff like that that Magic has. Essentially, you shuffle the deck, deal X amount of cards to each player, that becomes their deck, and then you battle it out. I understand why you don't like it. You didn't grow up playing Magic. You don't really have kind of a nostalgia for it. I like that game because it gives me that kind of nostalgic itch of playing Magic without dumping our life savings into card games like that. Living card games and collectible card games are not our thing. They never will be. I think they're money sinks and they're kind of predatory to people because they're like they're trying to find the most valuable card in random shit they could buy. But 
We already talked about this a lot longer than I thought we would. So yeah. Um, the other, the next one, Star Realms is. Uh, we've been playing this game for a long time. It's probably one of our first purchases together for our board game collection. Yeah, I know we talked about it during our deck building episode. Um, this is my epitome of theme doesn't matter. Uh, because it's all about, like, basically making your space army and attacking these bases to try and gain control over them. Basically. Yeah, well, you're, you're trying to blow up an opponent's bases and then... To act as, to act as like armor, and then, then you attack your opponent's health bar, and when it's gone, you win. Yeah, I love this game, but the theme sounds stupid, and so gameplay is really great. Definitely one I recommend for folks who have two players and like deck builders. Mm-hmm. Uh, next one, uh, the next two are uh, related: Fox in the Forest and Fox in the Forest Duet. Fox in the Forest is a competitive trick-taking game that's like nature-themed fox in the forest duet is a co-op trick-taking game like essentially reskinned from the competitive version yeah it's barely even reskinned um it just adds in the the co-op dynamic i both are great it just kind of depends what you're looking for Mm -hmm. um and if you like trick-taking games that's really the key for both yeah and i know that's not everybody's cup of tea I love trick-taking games. Oh yeah, for sure. So. And they have a they have a place, but if, they, if that's if you're not like a big card person, mm-hmm. like we both grew up playing a lot of cards. Mm-hmm. If that's not your thing, then it might not tickle your fancy. Yeah, next one we talked about it a little bit. I'm actually I was surprised that you didn't pick this as your favorite. And it's Dualosaur Island, which is the two-player version of Dinosaur Island. And in Dualosaur Island, we've never played Dinosaur Island. Which I think is important to name because I don't know what's different mm-hmm. about it. Um, but yeah, so in Dulasaur Island, you have a dinosaur-themed theme park. I was, gonna, I was trying to fi- figure out why I was going to say themed twice. That's why I had a moment. <laughs> dinosaur-themed theme park. And um, the way that it kind of mixes it up every time is that, one, there's a, there's dice. And that is a huge factor. Um and there aren't many dice games in two-player board games. That's something that I think is missing. We didn't even talk about it. You didn't even write... I told you dice was missing and you didn't write it on the list when you were typing out the list. Oh, yeah. Um, there aren't many dice games. You don't need to put it in now. We're already past that part. No dice. Um, <laughs> thank don't you. Get, don't want to get yelled at for messing the draft up. Okay. Uh, it's one of the few games that uses dice in a specifically two-player game. Um, but also there are so many cards for different roles. Roles as in R-O-L-E, not rolled like dice rolls, mm-hmm. uh, that can impact how you play the game. And that kind of, that's what brings the replayability, I think, yeah, and in this a, game. And that's, I mean, it's a cool mixture of resource and hand management with a cool dinosaur theme. Yeah, the dinosaur theme is really funny. Mm-hmm. And it's... To me, what I like about the game is that it doesn't take itself too seriously. Yeah. Like, it's like, yeah, this is a board game, and you're, you've you got fucking dinosaurs, and you don't want the dinosaurs to kill people, yeah. basically. It's, it's Jurassic Park. Sure. Sure. Uh, Codenames Duet. We actually just played this not too long ago. Um, <laughs> not too long ago. We played it an hour ago. So, yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> That is, you could have just said we played it earlier. I don't know. Earlier funny. and not too long ago, I think, are, are synonyms for phrases. Debatable, but I'll allow it. Well, yeah. If you ever play codenames, <laughs> it's uh, it's a it's a com- it's a cooperative version where you each have like the little card that tells you what you're trying to have your opponent your 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 partner your partner not your opponent your partner guess and. Uh, yeah, it just adds a little more strategy for each of you to play off the same board. Yeah, we know a lot of people who listen to our podcast have played it because we have gifted it to so many people. Yeah. Uh, I will say, most of you, I don't even know, actually, I don't know if they listen to our podcast. I hope they do because they're our friends. But for a while, for a long while, we've kind of fallen off of it, but for a long while, we gifted this game to any of our friends who are having babies. Mm-hmm. Because two people, fun, easy to learn. We fell off of it in the last like year. But it was our go-to mm-hmm. for 
pa- uh, friends who are having children. Just trying to gateway drug them in. It's like, a little uh, bit, yeah. It's, it's cheaper than crack and... Uh, you and you're going to have a baby, so... Yeah. And so no crack. And it's quick. That's yeah. another thing. And it's also not crack. It's also not crack. Yes. Mm. Crack would not be good. For you or your baby. Yeah. Say no to drugs. Dare to say no. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> uh, next one, Seven Wonders Duel. Uh, this happens to be my my favorite game to lose. Not necessarily my favorite game to play. Uh, I suck ass at this game. You kick my ass every time. Um, it's probably the most competitive out of all of these on our list. There's a few that we named that are cooperative, but it is literally the epitome of, like, super competitive. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why I always win. I don't know why I always beat you. I don't go in with a plan, and I think that that is why I win, but I'm not certain. Yeah. I think that you go in with a very distinct plan of how to win, and then when I fuck up your plan or figure it out, then I win. Yeah. Uh, it's super competitive. It's a dynamic game that plays over three rounds. Um, we add in uh, an expansion that we played, but yeah, it's it's card collecting, and you're trying to have enough all these different cards that trigger different abilities for subsequent rounds and stuff like that. But yeah, it's uh, it's if you've ever played Seven Wonders, which we haven't, we have, but we I don't have. remember. Fair enough. I won. Yeah. In fair. a group of like seven. We only but, played it once. Yeah, but we played this many more times than actual. Yeah, for sure. So I can't remember how it plays differently, but it's a pretty solid game. If you're hyper competitive without being angry at each other, I would say pick this one up. Totes. And now for uh, the three that we've chosen that are probably our favorites in this entire group. We need like a... I'm ready for like a siren. We made it to our top three. Yeah, but then we have to, like, pay for more sound effects and stuff like that. Some of them are free. Some of them. Our theme, I, I know our because theme, I use, I've use i used them at work sometimes. Well, maybe you should let me know where you're, where you're getting them from. You want me to find you the free website? You mean you could just Google... Free sound effects? Free sound effects, yeah. yeah I'm just going to put a whole bunch of fart noises. And you won't know until you listen to the episode. I don't listen to our own podcast, so... Wow. So I won't know. So if there are fart episodes, that was not approved by me. Wait, so uh, <laughs> the, the top three that we like... Um, Hive Pocket. If you're playing the full game of Hive, it's just a smaller version that's super uh, travelable. Yeah. Fits into a little pouch. Little pouch that fits in my purse. And you have all these little bugs. And each bug has a different ability yeah. and different movement capability. And your goal is to surround your opponent's queen bee. Yep. And once you do that, you win. I lose this game all the time. Don't know why. It's kind of like chess, but easier and faster. Uh, it's more di- to me, it's more dynamic. Chess is like, oh, well, you uh, did this move, and uh, that's been done for like 400. Fuck off. Can you tell me more about that voice? Ooh, uh, it's a rich thespian man with a $500 <laughs> chess board. And it's, it's, rich, really- it's rich thespian man. That's <laughs> Just it's, call uh, that voice. My chessboard's the only interesting thing about me. <laughs> Thank you for that. I'm glad you elaborated. Yeah, so uh, these actually have really cool components. Um, they're hexagonal little uh, tiles, mm-hmm. or uh, little pieces, and they feel really good to play with. And They're really you, heavy. Yeah. And, yeah, like, like Kayla said, all the pieces have different um, move dynamics to how you can move around your opponent's other pieces, and it's quick. It's quick to play. Um, it's fun to it's fun to teach and learn. Teach. Yeah. Who, like, who have you taught besides me? Like, cause it's I don't know. It could be fun to teach because sure. there's a whole bunch of different things. To, yeah, fuck off! I don't know. <laughs> Making fun of me. Yep. Uh, this one we just picked up yesterday, and I think it's one of my. It's definitely one of my favorites on this list. Yes, you should talk about it. Jaipur. It's the the Eastern Market game. I guess we did start talking about it already. Yeah. Uh, essentially, you're trying to uh, gain resources like gold, silver, gems. What are the other three? Textiles. Green, leather. purple, and yellow. <laughs> spices. <laughs> Green, purple, and, and brown. Yeah, spices <laughs> and shit. I don't know. Stupid. I, one of them is shoes. It's leather. leather. The one that is shoes is leather. And sandals and stuff. 
Shut up. So uh, you're gaining, uh, you're drawing cards and gaining uh, resources, and you're going to trade those resources in to gain points. Um, money, 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 money. The dynamic is you could either pick up one or multiple resources. If you're picking up multiple resources, you have to trade in any camel cards that you have or a combination of other things in your hand back to the resource row, which now can give access to your give your opponent access to cards that they might need. Mm-hmm. So it's a back and forth kind of a tug and war tug of war dynamic to like, well, I don't want to give you too much access to this, but if you have more camels than me. I could, I could trade the camels I have for more resources. So it's kind of a back and forth like that, and it, it's it plays very, um, it it plays really well with mm-hmm. just two people. I I couldn't think about adding a yeah. third or fourth person into this where it would help it in any way. No. And it's been close. Like I've I've won more than you over the past. We played twice, so yeah, you won two times. Yeah, and it plays over three rounds. But every time we've played, it's been within like a like three or four points or five, mm-hmm. depending on <laughs> three, four, or five. Yeah, because sometimes if you have the camel at the end, it's worth extra five points on Taiwan. Mm-hmm. So three, four, or five. Yep. I'm not wrong. Nope. Stop making fun of me. And the last game that we want to talk about in this list, uh, it, you said it was your favorite. Yeah. Last and certainly not least is Tarji. An, an Eastern market don't card game. I don't even think it's a market game. You keep, you think you just like market games. No, I think Tarji's from, it's like, a, it's African themed, isn't it? I honestly don't know. Because oh. the theme does not matter to me at all. Well, fine. Um, I mean, you can look it up if you want. But what Tarji sets up is that you are, the way that you take actions in this game is by lining up three different markers that you place along the outside. And I'm not going to do a great job explaining this. We haven't played it in a in a minute because somebody doesn't like losing at this game. Um, but we have talked about it before. And um, what I love about it is that it, the way that you take turns, the way that you actively engage with your opponent is unlike any other games that we have because... It's so much dependent on the grid that's in front of you. So these different cards move and transition throughout the game. So like once you take that action, that card is removed from the board and you replace it with a new one. Yeah, it's um, I was trying to describe it's so you have pawns and they move on an X and Y axis around the board. And depending on how they line up or the actions you're going to be able that you're going to have available to you per round. Mm-hmm. It's like I think it's like a three by three, or a four by four grid. I can't remember. Uh, no, five by five. Five by five. Yeah, it's five by five, but you're only taking the actions of the things in the middle, which make it a three by four. Yeah. So each round, different things are available to you, and. That's what you're moving around along the outside, just to, like, signify where you are in the game. And that's what, like, that's just, like, the outside of it. And, you know, to the point, to our point about, like, theme and whatnot for two-player games, I don't, I don't find this game very aesthetically pleasing at all. It's very bland in the artwork. Like, it's all, like, all the cards are tan. Mm -hmm. For the most part, it's supposed to look like the desert. Um, But, like... It just doesn't play like anything else that we have. Yeah. And it's interesting because uh, as the game progresses, uh, there's different like events that happen. And it's like, well, if this happens, you have to like trade this many resources or you take a negative effect. Mm-hmm. That It's kind of an equalizer as the game pushes on to make sure somebody, make sure your opponent doesn't run away with the game. Yeah. And one time we played it a few, we have definitely played it a few times, haven't played it in a while. Um, when we first got it, I was beating John at this over and over and over again. And so we were two turns into a game that's like 15 turns. And John was like, you're going to beat me again. I'm so sad. And so I tried to figure out what he was doing and then I let him win. Yeah. Because he was being a big baby. And I was like, I want to keep playing this game. And if he does, if he decides to stop playing this, what am I going to do? Who's going to play this with me? 
Somebody else. Except who? Nobody else. Nobody else, because of our point, you don't have to have friends to play Mm two-player board games. Yeah. And uh, as you're doing things, taking resources and collecting cards, uh, it just, it's, it is dynamic and there's a lot of things to do and like how to interact with the game. So yeah, I would, I would say, I think I like Jaipur more only because it's faster, right? We can get a lot more rounds in. That's why you like it more? Because it's faster? Mm. Hmm. Interesting. I think I like Tarji a lot because it's got more of the worker placement aspect. Yeah. And I really like worker placement games. So. Mm-hmm. Well, that's our take on uh, two-player games and uh, what we like and dislike and uh, some stuff that's in our collection. If you know any two-player games that we haven't talked about here um, that you think are good, you could always hit us up on Instagram or Facebook or shoot us an email at boredtodeathpodcast at gmail.com. Or like, you know, comment on the review section and the podcast stuff where we could listen to podcasts. But only do that if you're leaving a good review. Yeah. Otherwise, whatever. Yeah. Uh, so now comes the point where we talk about other things that we're doing uh, when we're not like ass deep in video uh, in board games. Ass deep. Ass deep in board games. I almost said video games, but. But here you are. Here I am. You should talk about video games. Yeah, uh, we've been playing a lot of Halo, because uh, Halo Infinite came out uh, back in November, and uh, it's really good. Pew, pew, pew. Yeah, you shoot and kill people. That's it. That's the game. Pretty much. In my opinion. Haven't played much of the campaign, because I don't care. Mm, I haven't played the campaign at all. Yeah, because you wouldn't have any idea what's going on Because anyway. I really don't care. Like, oh. you might not care, but I really don't care. <laughs> so... Uh, then we're going through uh, playing Dying Light 2. It's a cooperative uh, zombie, open world zombie game. Yep. I really liked Dying Light 1. I feel like it was one of the first big games that I got super invested in. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did the whole thing together for Dying Light 1 up until the end where the game makes you play it on your own. And I couldn't fucking do it because you were jumping and hopping and doing all this bullshit. And I was like, you know what? I don't give a fuck. And so I just, just didn't never beat it. No, I like it's literally five minutes. And I bet if I opened it, you'd probably be able to do it just fine. But so far, Dying Light 2 has been fun to play. The mechanics are very similar. I just wish they wouldn't talk so much. So much fucking dialogue. Yeah, everyone has in the like main a, story. Everyone has like a life story to tell you. And in the apocalypse, <laughs> word, word to, you know, just some wise words for our future apocalypses. Shut the fuck up. You're not interesting. No one cares. You're not as interesting as you as you think you are now. Imagine how less interesting you are at the end of the world. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like the game like I said, the gameplay is fun, but I feel like we're having the most fun with the side quests because we don't have to talk to people for five minutes before we can go kill zombies. Yeah. It's a little a little daunting that way. Yeah. But I, we'll finish it. Oh yeah. We're gonna keep playing it. I just find the dialogue exhausting. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I'm, I was playing a uh, tiny arcade game called Nobody Saves the World. It's essentially like fighting through like Zelda-style dungeons, and you, you can play as a whole bunch of different characters, and it's goofy and arcadey, and I like it. And then the one game I've been waiting to play for like two years now finally came out, and I was cranking on it a little earlier. Is called Elden Ring, which is like a Dark Souls successor. Pretty much Dark Souls 4 in everything but the name. There you go. Yeah. Then we've been reading a lot of comics. Well, you've, you've been reading a lot of books, too. Yes, I do read the books. Mm-hmm. But for comics, um, I've been reading Saga. I've been trying to make myself go real slow. I've been reading the trade paperbacks so I can read, like, five at a time. Um, and then after I read one, I make myself wait, like, a month. Before I go buy the next one, just so I don't read it all in one fell swoop. But it is excellent, and I love it. Yeah, it's like a space opera. Yeah, it's great. Um, because it's both fantasy with a, a little bit of, like, you know, some current world undertones to it, which is interesting. Um, but then I'm also reading... The other, the other comic I'm reading is Something is Killing the Children, which sounds really dark. 
Um, but basically there's this monster killing kids. And then there's this badass lady trying to kill the monster and figure out what the fuck's going on. I'm only on the second trade paperback, so that's... You're welcome. I, I gave you what happens in the first one. Mm. Then I've been reading The Woods. Um, I reread the first one, then I kind of forgot what's going on in it. How many times have you read the first one? Too many. <laughs> but it's essentially like these kids are in school and uh, just being kids in school and like some fucking parallel like dimension opens up and shit goes down and now they're in the woods trying to like figure out life. Yep. It's as simple as that. Yep. Um, I've been reading a lot of other novels lately. Um, I just finished a book called Malibu Rising by, I think her name is Taylor Jenkins Reed. And I had before that just read that author's book called The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. And The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo is one of the best books I have ever read. Um, so 10 out of 10 recommend that one, which led me to put every other book that she has on hold at the library and hope that they'll come through. Um, which <laughs> is how I got to Malibu Rising. And so definitely check that out. There's a little bit of like Malibu Rising is a lot of like family drama associated or like, I don't, I don't even know how to describe it because to me that doesn't sound interesting. If somebody said <laughs> read this family drama, I'd be like, no. That sounds awful, but... Um, <laughs> Just, like, really good characters and how they interact and whatnot. Yeah. Um, the Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo talks about this woman who is in... Um, she was an actress starting in, like, the 50s, I think it was. And she's basically retelling all of these men that she married. Um, meanwhile... Yeah, she... I don't want to... My brain is like, I don't want to give away a spoiler because mm. it is really good. Um... And so she's talking about her relationships with all of them to this um, person who is an author or a writer for a magazine and is like, hey, I actually don't want you to write this for the magazine. I want you to write my autobiography and then release it when I die. You are the only person who's going to have all this information. So you don't know why she picked that writer until the end. Mm -hmm. So that's really interesting. And then listening to all of her uh, relationships is fantastic. Gives you some perspective on what it would have been like to have been married before, you know, women could have credit cards and stuff. Wow. So, you know, I have my own credit cards now. Fancy. Moving on up. Yeah. You too can go into debt. Congratulations. <laughs> but yeah, those those are the books that I'm reading. I just started another one. I can't remember what it's called because I started it like two days ago. Um, and I haven't read that much in the last two days because you and I were driving around everywhere yesterday. Yeah. And then uh, uh, one of our shared hobbies is junk TV. I love junk TV. Um, we're, we just finished Love is Blind 2. Um, it's not as good as the first season, but holy fuck, does Gen Z need a wake-up call for help. John, these people aren't in Gen Z. They, Most of them are just a few years younger than us. It's Gen Z. No, they're millennials. Trying they are to... for sure millennials, and I wish, I hope that they have jobs that pay for therapy because that, they need therapy more than they need love. These people are fucked. Yeah, but just feel like it would have been easier to invest in a therapist than to go on this show. But yeah, uh, yeah, fuck that show. Like it hurts my brain that these people are real. Um, then we're watching Level Up Chef, which is just like it's like Master Chef with a gimmick. Mm-hmm. It was a really dumb gimmick. I mean, we've said it. If we've said it once, we said it a hundred times. We love Gordon Ramsay. Gordon Ramsay. So I'll, whatever he does, I'm gonna watch it. it doesn't fucking matter. Uh, then we watched pretty much a marketing ploy for Guy Fieri's new chicken <laughs> restaurant called Chicken Guy, where he made it's not even a new restaurant. No, no, it's not a new restaurant at all. So they, they were opening up a new location, and he made all these people compete to be like the head person to open up this new restaurant called Chicken Guy, which is just Guy Fieri's chicken brand. Yeah, but it worked because the next time we go to like Florida, where most of them are, I'm gonna go. Yeah. So, good job. No, yeah, uh, Then we watched Tattoo Redo. That's uh, on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Where just people with really shitty tattoos getting them covered up by really cool artists. That show's badass. If you mm-hmm. like tattoos, you should watch it. Uh, then we walked ba- watched Backyard Bar Wars where a whole bunch of rich people uh, just battled their neighbors to have contractors come in and build, like, a really cool bar. Yeah, that one's on HBO. Mm-hmm. 
for sure watch it. Which it's I think funny was like fuck. from on True TV at one point. Yeah, it was on True TV for sure. And then we watch a lot of Beat Bobby Flay. I think we watch it because there's like 30 seasons and we're like, oh, what should we put on TV for 20 minutes? Mm. Let's watch Chefs, watch Bobby Flay. I don't fucking know. It's great. Yeah. Hmm? It's great. That's what we've been doing. So, uh, yeah, thanks for hanging out with us. We like talking about board games and everything board game related, whether it's cards, dice, and actual board. Um, yeah. yeah, we did it. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Bored to Death Podcast. B-O-A-R-D. Yeah. Hmm? And then on all of the podcast apps. Yeah, we're all over the place. So search for us and then you'll find us on whatever you listen to a podcast on. If it's not there, uh, just download one of the other apps because we're not we're not doing any extra work. It's pretty easy. You can also just go on our website. That's fine too. Yeah, boardtodeathpodcast.com. And uh, yeah, you can listen to all there. And like, like old people in the times of yore. Yeah. Putting in a dot com. You can definitely send us a message on Instagram because I'm the one who's in charge of that and I like to have internet friends. Mm-hmm. So, you want to be my internet friend, just send me a message. Sometimes I'm bored. To death. <laughs> so. You're so smart. I try. And then you could leave us a review wherever you're listening to a podcast. It helps, uh, it helps our... Um, it helps the algorithm find uh, let people find us and we like... Uh, we like being a part of a, an algorithm that we can't control unless we tell you how to manipulate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. So that's it. That's all we got. Uh, until next time, I'm John. I'm Kayla. And this is how we roll. Oh, yeah. Uh, I also wrote at the end, uh, fuck Russia. So we'll see if that helps the algorithm. I think that will help a lot of things. Yeah. Bye. Bye.